Welcome back to the Culture Jack podcast. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Invincible. Episode number three, titled Who You Callin' Ugly. It has a uh, runtime of about 42 minutes. Now, if you have not tuned in for one of these shows on the Culture Jack podcast before, this is on today's episode or on this episode. And it is a special show that we have typically on a Saturday where we we go over an episode of a show that we are currently watching or one that we have already watched. In this case, we've already completed Invincible. If, you, if you're two weeks past the season finale of Invincible and you have not seen this show, what are you doing? I know what you were doing. You were waiting for... You were waiting for the Culture Jack podcast to put out a weekly recap and discussion and dissection piece on every episode of Invincible. And so here you are. Congratulations. You've waited the right time. You can now watch Invincible episode number three. Now, I'm Dustin, and I will be your recap and dissection host today. Now, as we get into this, if you have not watched the third episode of Invincible, I would recommend that you do it before listening to this podcast because this podcast, this show in particular, is going to spoil the hell out of the third episode of Invincible. And so what I like to do typically in these shows is I will give you a a, a story recap. I will try and go, maybe not beat for beat, I'm not going to get every little detail, but I have been getting a lot of them and maybe I've been getting getting too much of them. And also, besides Invincible, Love, Death and Robots just came out yesterday. So I have already finished all eight episodes. It's not a huge feat because the episodes are only 10 minutes in length, but the first season was amazing. Similarly, the second season was amazing as well. I would say maybe not. Maybe not as amazing as the first in terms of the stories that were told, because the stories in the first one, I I think, were far superior. However, there were two or three of the shows that the animation, it is getting so close to the Uncanny Valley. I had to actually look up on one of the shows if it was animated or live action. Because in the first season, they did have one that was partially live action. But no, it turns out that this one that I'm thinking of was actually fully animated. It was It's amazing. So if you have not checked that out already, Love, Death, and Robots uh, Season 2 just released on Netflix yesterday on Friday. So check, check that out. If you haven't seen Season 1, you're in for an extra treat. And so I want to figure out how to, to do something maybe on today's episode or some other piece about love death and robots and that's and that's the thing with all of these I get too wrapped up in them I get too excited about the things and then I end up trying to do too much so I need to restrain myself I need to hold back and I need to make sure that I deliver you the best show that I can not maybe necessarily the most show that I can so getting back to invincible episode number three just to recap from episodes one and two, Omni-Man has murdered the Guardians of the Globe for still unknown reasons. We don't know yet. Now, of course, I finished Invincible. I finished the eighth episode, so I know, but I'm not going to tell you. I will spoil this episode, but I will try not to spoil 
you know, episodes beyond this into the into the season finale and the eighth episode because it's so good. It's so poetic. It's sh- so Shakespearean. So he's murdered the Guardians of the Globe. Uh, Mark has gotten his powers and he is learning to use them with the help of the teen team. Uh, Omni-Man has, uh, in the last episode, he went and stopped the Flaxians by going through the, the portal that they made. And if you remember, if you'll recall, he destroyed their planet. I don't know if he destroyed the planet, but he really, you know, tore him a new asshole, ran wreck shot through the planet, killed a bunch of people, killed their emperors, killed their scientists after he forced them to make a portal. And then, and before he did, he said, earth is not yours to conquer. Maybe he said that to the emperor beforehand. And then we've got this whole other aspect. We've got, you know, Omni-Man, we know what he did. We know what he was up to. Well, we don't know what he's up to yet. Uh, but then we have the other side where we have Cecil who suspects something is up. And at the end of the last episode, he has set up a surveillance on Omni-Man and uh, Damien Darkblood who had approached him and said, hey, look, something's up with Omni-Man. Well, he said it, he said it differently than that. He, he said it in his demon, you know, <clears throat> uh, investigation, really release me from hell uh, sort of sort of thing. Okay, that's a terrible Damien Darkblood impersonation. But, I, I mean, that's not why you're here anyway. But he warned Damien Darkblood. Cecil did. He said, you know, you stay away from this. We've got it covered. And so Damien and Cecil suspect there's something up with Omni-Man. But this particular episode starts with a, a funeral for the Guardians of the Globe. Now, Omni-Man, uh, he, he flies. You know, everyone's sitting down, and they're all in their, their black, you know, uh, memorial suits and dresses and Omni-Man flies in with two fighter jets and then he blasts off into the sky and flies down in his full Omni-Man regalia and he eulogizes his friends or who everyone thinks are his friends. We know that he is a murderer, uh, but they don't know that. And he, he gives a nice speech and he said, you know, who will save us now? He says, I will. And new champions, of course, Cue his son, Mark, just coming up as a hero. We get to see him perhaps maybe spread his wings a little bit and become the champion that Omni-Man thinks he will be as a proud Viltramite. Uh, And then after that, that's like a big, big show of it. There's cameras. They cut to another another funeral service in the rain, and that's the real burial for Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians, not Guardians of the Galaxy. God damn it. I knew I was going to do that in my notes for the uh, for the episode. I put G.O.T.G., which is the Guardians of the Globe. And I knew I was going to say Guardians of the Galaxy. It's the real funeral service for Guardians of the Globe. And Mark is like, I don't understand why we have two. And Eve, the member of the teen teen team, I'm going to call them Teen Titans at one point. I guarantee it too. She explains that the big service is for show. It's for television. uh, But the real one has to be done in secret to protect uh, the the people that have passed from souvenir hunters. And Mark goes, wow, that's messed up. And then Nolan eulogized him again, but not as Omni-Man. He eulogized them as Nolan Grayson. 
and it was a much more impassioned speech. And he talked about, you know, first arriving to the planet and not having people to rely on people to count as friends. And then he talked very specifically about each one, which seems very genuine on the surface, or it would seem very genuine on the surface. Had we not just seen him murder all of these people. And then red Rush's wife, as they are lowering the caskets into the ground, she falls down and Debbie Grayson, you know, goes to pick her up and she says in life, he was too fast. I just, I could never get, I could never reach him. And now I still can't, I still can't get to him. He's still too far away from me. And it's very, very sad. Now, Mark, he feels the weight of the potential superhero life. You can see it on his face and Nolan, as everyone is leaving, he spots uh, Damien Darkblood as the caskets are being, being lowered and he goes, hey, this is a private funeral. And Damien says, never get invited. Show up anyway. He says he wants to catch the killer and get justice. Omni-Man says uh, it, it's to buy himself a few more years out of hell. That he just doesn't want to go back back to hell. He doesn't want to go back home. Which is cool. You get a little bit of uh, character insight onto Damien Darkblood and why he's doing that. Perhaps doing these good deeds will give him a respite. And he even says so later in the episode, he says, you know, I'm just trying to just try. He doesn't talk like a regular person. You know, I say that as myself, I don't talk like a regular person, but he says, uh, trying to seek justice for others to reduce my time in hell or something along, along those lines. And he just doesn't want to go home, says Omni-Man. And maybe one day you'll know why Damien says Omni-Man challenges Darkblood's insinuation and Debbie kind of watches over her, her shoulder as she is consoling and getting Olga out of the rain. Uh, Cecil recruits Robot to recruit the new Guardians of the Globe. And so he gets together and he says, you know, I like your work and I, I respect you. I think you can do, you know, you can do this job and you can get the new Guardians of the Globe up and running and we can have a new force for justice and good. And Robot says, well, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. But wouldn't Omni-Man be the natural choice to lead the next Guardians of the Globe? And he says, you know, I've tried. I've tried in the past to recruit Omni-Man, but he has never accepted a role in the Guardians. And so Omni-Man is an outsider. He's a, a lone wolf type, maybe less so now that he has Mark as his son who's finally gotten these powers. But he, he, he doesn't, I guess, work well with others. I work alone. He's that, he's that cop in the movies. So the Graysons, they head home. Mark is pretty shaken. And Nolan says, hey, let's grab some pizza and just have a good night off. And Debbie's like, man, we can't just, you, you, we just buried your friends, man. Olga is, is just beside herself. Mark is torn apart. We can't, we can't just have a good time. And Debbie and Nolan, they disagree uh, on how cold is the appropriate amount that Omni-Man should be in this situation. And he says, look, he's going to have to deal, he's going to have to deal with a lot. Now the GDC, they have already set up a surveillance uh, from a house across the street. They've got cameras in the home and then it cuts to Mark with his, you know, thermo thermal camera and he decides to give Amber a call. If you re remember, he got he got her number last time. He blows the call completely. He stutters and she plays hard to get and she says, "Yeah, you blew it." And then she goes, "Oh, is this handsome Mark Grayson giving him a second chance?" They kind of hit it off 
and they arrange to have a have a study date. Meanwhile, Eve heads back to the teen team HQ and she catches Rex in the shower with duplicate duplicate and her doubles. And so <laughs> duplicate walks out of the shower and she's like, Oh Eve, I thought you were at the funeral. And then Eve goes, what's going on in there? And she looks in the shower. We don't see it, but we assume that Rex is having a, a party with two, two of duplicates uh, doubles. And then everyone comes out of the shower and Rex is like, what the heck? You know, I thought we were over and duplicate said, yeah, Rex said that you were with invincible now. And Eve feels very portrayed. Uh, just, she, she takes off the guardians of the globe tryouts are now happening and robot is hosting the event. Invincible has decided not to try out. However, he wants to be at the event because he loves superheroes. And I can't remember what the superhero team name is, but there's one that's there. And he's like, what are they even doing here? Like, what are they even trying for? And so they have uh, these one-on-one -on -one matches uh, for the qualifications and Robot says, you know, it's not just about your strength. It's not just about your abilities, but it's it's how you use them, the uniqueness in your abilities and the way that you put things together. And not only that, not only your strength, but your strength of character matters as well. So we go through a few of these fights, uh, some quick, quick cuts of those. Um, and then Robot announces the new team. He says, we've got Monster Girl, who is played by Gray Griffin. And her powers, if you didn't catch it in the episode is she can turn into an ogre, which we don't see yet, uh, but she can turn into an ogre. And as she does, every time she does, she loses, loses age. And so she becomes younger. And this, this presents a, a trouble for a robot because he wants to find a way to cure her, figure her out. Whoop, that's more, more along the lines of other episodes. We will get back into that. Uh, another character is Black Samson. He is played by Kerry uh, Payton, and he doesn't have any powers. He's kind of like, he's got a exoskeleton suit, so he's kind of like an Iron Man type character. Apparently, he had powers at one point, but no longer does. I think he also was part of the old Guardians of the Globe. And then we've got Shrinking Ray, also played by Gray Griffin, and her powers are, are you know, that of like an Ant-Man style character. She can shrink. Apparently, in the comics, this character was Shrinking Ray, spelled R-A-Y. So it was a, it was a guy, it was a fella. Uh, but they changed it, they gender swapped this character to a lady, uh, Shrinking Ray, R-A-E. And then Rexplode also got signed up for the team. Now his powers are much like, they're much like Gambits from the X-Men. And then Adam and uh, Adam and Eve... Adam Eve, her powers are the manipulation of atoms. So she can change things. She can create walls, blasts, fly on her, fly on her powers, duplicate who we saw in the previous episodes. And then with Rex in the shower, she can make copies of herself that from what I've seen in the many fight scenes that she's fought so far is she just ends up getting her copies killed over and over and over again. So Robot announces the team and Rexplode, he decides to make fun of Monster Girl. And he, he, you know, is very condescending and he goes, oh, you know, is there an age requirement? And then she looks at him and she goes, oh, is there a dick size requirement? 
and <laughs> he gets pissed and embarrassed and everyone's laughing at him because she's making fun of his tiny dick. And then he goes, you know what? Somebody ought to teach you some mother. And he starts, you know, powering up some motherfucking what in the fuck? And then right then, because her arm turns into this big ogre arm and punches him back through the window down into the arena, down into the training floor. She, she's then turned on to a full-blown uh, ogre. They fight, Rexplode. He throws some of his explosives at her. They just kind of bounce off of her, her chest. And she starts kicking his ass. She starts really handing it to him. She's pounding his face in. And then Invincible intervenes. And he knocks her knocks her back into the wall where she transforms back into a little girl. And she says, you know, thanks. I, I got a little out of control there. And then Rex and Monster Girl, they, they make amends. But it was, a, it was a very funny scene the way it was all put, put together. Um, <clears throat> Robot is excited that the team, teen team has made the cut. Eve says that she can't be on the team, though, with Rex. And her and Invincible fly off. And she, you know, tells Invincible that Rex was unfaithful to her. And, and he's like, man, that sucks, you know. Robot talks about the daily schedule with the team. You know, Rex has a problem with it. He's like, look, I don't get up before 6 a.m. Monster Girl says that she can't train three times a day. And later she describes why she can't train three times a day, or at least as the ogre form of herself. Uh, like it said, it turns out that Black Samson was with the previous Guardians until he lost his power. They argue over who should be the leader. And Shrinking Ray and Duplicate, they decide, well, they've had enough of the arguing, so they're going to go to the gym and work out. <laughs> and then Rex, the, uh, this uh, this actor, Jason Mantazukas, he is so funny. I, I watched him in The League. And I've I've watched uh, Big Mouth on Netflix was another one where he he voice acted Jay. He's the Jay character on that show. If you if you watch that one, it's really funny. Uh, <laughs> and he says, all right, I'm going to go supervise. And they say, no, you won't. And he goes, I, I can do whatever I like. <laughs> uh, robot um, says he understands what it's like for the world to look at you and see one thing, never knowing the truth after. Monster Girl discloses that every time she turns into the ogre, she she gets younger. And she, she makes a quip about dating is really hard because the only people that uh, want to date someone that looks like her are either, you know, like pubescent children uh, or they're like creeps on the Internet that want to date someone that's younger. And he's like, I understand you. I get it. And she's like, how can you understand? You're a robot. And she leaves. Omni-Man, meanwhile, is, I guess, somehow invited to the training, and he's looking out in an observation window. He's got his arms crossed, and he says, pathetic. <laughs> so he's not impressed with the new Guardians of the Globe. And maybe that uh, lack of respect from Omni-Man, maybe that perception that they are not a threat to him is something that will save their lives, that will help them not be murdered by Omni-Man. And right now, we don't know what his intentions were, why he murdered the Guardians of the Globe. You could have made an argument probably before this episode, before episode number two, that maybe they were shady. Maybe they'd done something illicit, illegal, or uh, uncouth or without morals. But after this, the way that he's acted to the other planet, when he said, hey, Earth is not yours to, to conquer, the way that he has 
perceived or that we have perceived his perception of the new guardians of the globe as being pathetic makes you think that there's some more evil, vile intentions about him. Uh, at school, uh, no, not at school, at home, at Mark Grayson's house, William, uh, who's, I, I didn't say it last time, who's played by Andrew Rannells, is helping Mark get his room together before his big study date with Amber. And Mark's telling uh, Amber when she comes over, uh, he tells her about his comics, and they start to have their study date. And then he gets a call from an unknown number. And he's like, that's weird. And he hangs up. And Amber's like, who was that? And he's like, I don't know. And then he call again and he gets unknown number. And he's like, who was that? And he hangs up. He's like, I don't know. And they call again and he's like, I, I don't know what this is about. He turns off his phone. He doesn't want to interrupt his date, you know. And she's like, you know, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the bathroom. She goes to the bathroom and Cecil teleports in. Uh, he, he gives um, Mark an earbud and he says, look, you got a job to do. There is a supervillain on the loose at Mount Rushmore. And it's funny because Mark goes, what, what state is that in again? Cecil goes, what do they teach you kids in school anymore? So he teleports off. Amber returns and Mark says, hey, look, I got to go do a thing. I forgot about. I'll be right back. Uh, Omni-Man, meanwhile, is busy fighting a kaiju. So uh, Mark, as Invincible, and Adam Eve have to go fight this Doc Seismic guy at Mount Rushmore. He's got a PhD in seismology and he made these earthquake gloves, but the reverberations from the gloves, whenever he tinks them together, whenever he causes seismic activity have, have begun to give him concussions and damage his damages brain. He's chronically concussed. They said, and so maybe that is making him turn to villainy a little bit. Now, this character is so funny to me. He's like a short, bald guy. He wears clothes that are way too big, and he's got these, these gauntlets on that cause earthquakes. And he's like a bad guy social justice warrior. <laughs> and as they show up, he is lecturing the visitors and tourists that have shown up to Mount Rushmore. And he says, why have you come here to pray at this obscene monument? They were oppressors, racists, and slave owners. He does have really cool gauntlets, though, but that I thought was <laughs> really funny that uh, they gave that particular villain that kind of a backstory. Uh, so he brings down Abe Lincoln, Abe Lincoln's, you know, stone head on Mount Rushmore to crush people. And he says, the great emancipator, he'll emancipate you from your life. Invincible's like, man, that was really bad. And he catches it and he, he puts it back. He catches the head before it squishes these tourists. He puts it back on the mountain and he says, that's how you get a head in life. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess it's not not easy. And they don't they don't really care for each other's puns. Uh, Dr. Seismic, he he doesn't care for it either. And he's <laughs> Adam, Adam, Eve and Invincible are talking at this point and they say we need to take out his gloves. And Invincible says those aren't gloves. Gloves have fingers. They're more like bracelets. And then he realizes and he says, hey, to Dr. Seismic, he says, you're wearing earthquake bracelets. And. The Dr. Seismic is fighting with Adam Eve and he starts lecturing her about, you know, pandering to gender roles. And she says, like, I thought your doctorate was in seismology. 
Oh, and he he chastises her outfit too. He says, "Look at what they've got you wearing." That's what he's talking about, pandering to gender roles. And she's like, "I, I designed this costume myself." And she says, "I thought you studied uh, seismology." He said, "I have an undergrad in sociology and women's studies. I had a minor in African dance." But enough politics. And they get back into fighting and he shatters a rock that Invincible throws and he breaks the ground and a family's going to slide into the lava and Eve catches them and, and hands him off to Invincible who he, she catches him with like a bubble of power as they're going into the crevasse, but her, her power dissipates as it gets too far away. And so Invincible can't make it to the crevasse in time. And so he does this really cool thing where he like spins his whole body and turns himself into a drill and he drills through the earth to hit them on the diagonal and he, and he saves them. Uh, <laughs> Eve uh, blasts his gauntlets and then he tries to use them and they backfire. And then he falls into the crevasse headed toward the lava. She goes to save him. Invincible goes to save him, and, but he brings down rocks on him, blasts them away and they resolve it. And they're very happy about it, but Invincible's got to make it back to Amber. So he's like, I gotta go. And, uh, when he gets home, Omni-Man is very happy that he went to save save the day instead of stay at his at his study date with Amber. And he said, you know, we have responsibilities that humans don't. And he reminds Mark uh, before he is done lecturing, because Mark, he just wants to get back to the date. He's on the stairs and he's like, you know, we've got responsibilities. And Mark's like, uh-huh. He's like, we've got we've got powers. There's things that we can do that other people can't. Mark's like, uh-huh. Obviously, Mark just wants to end the conversation and go. But before he does, Omni-Man's like, hey, uh, by the way, you should probably take off your costume. He's like, oh, yeah. And then Omni-Man turns around, and on his cape is a like a squid leg or like a squid tentacle from the kaiju that he was fighting. When Mark gets back to his room, Amber is not pleased that he was late. Uh, she said, you know, I've had, I've had guys throw punches for me before, but never had, I, I had one that would take them for me after he said, you know, I'm sorry about it. And she wasn't forgiving him, but he was like, I don't know. What are you looking for here? And then they, she says, I finished the study questions and they get a little close and look a little amorous. And then Donald Cecil's sidekick is over on the beach with the Kaiju and that Kaiju isn't dead. And he's talking to Cecil on the phone. And Cecil says, you know, Omni-Man had trouble with this thing. We better put it on ice. You never know when it could come in handy. So Cecil is really thinking of stopgap measures. He's thinking of prevention measures, defensive measures, in the event of a Omni-Man level threat. And I don't know anything about foreshadowing. Like, I, don't, I didn't write this story. But if someone were to read something into that, into that particular scene, into that particular idea, they may have some merit later on. And the vindication that could come their way may be very palatable to them. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Debbie, meanwhile, back at the Grayson house, asks Omni-Man to have Cecil put some protection on the house after, of course, he's thrown this kaiju tentacle on her cutting board that she's cutting carrots with and is like, are we really going to throw that on the on the gill? On the gill. <laughs> on the grill. Because that's what it is. It was an aquatic creature. However, I did not need to mention gills. 
regardless. So back to the teen team. Eve is looking at Rex's picture. She looks very sad. She's back at the HQ. Then she hears explosions on the top of the bridge, and she heads up to the top of the bridge ready to fight, but it turns out it's Rex Blode on the top of the bridge. He's making fireworks. Like I said, he's like the Gambit character. He's got a bandage on his face. You know, he's got a black eye from the way Monster Girl kind of kicked his ass. And he's like, look, I screwed up. I love you. You know that? And she's like, yeah, I, I do know. But look, none of that's an apology, man. And he's like, I'm sorry. I'll do better. And she just, she's done and she leaves. Uh, she heads to Mark's house. And she goes up. I, I don't know what she was anticipating at Mark's house, whether she was going to try and start something with Mark or not. But she looks in the window and Mark and Amber are laid out on the bed and they are making out getting pretty hot and heavy. So she goes to fly away and she goes, you know what? Good for you, Mark. Then in the, uh, the GDC prison, it's like a supermax prison. There's a security guard that's going there and he's passing by these characters, these villains that are in this and he's yawning, you know, this is very mundane for him. He serves dinner to these villains all the time. And one of them that he passed, I actually saw in the Amazon show notes, was a bunch of people that looked like the same person. And it it turns out that that is a character named Multi Paul, who is the brother of Duplicate, of, of Team Team fame. But he, he's going through and he's serving people dinner and he gets to the, um, the Mahler twins, you know, those blue guys from the first episode. And... They're, they're played by Kevin Michael Richards, if I didn't say so before. And the first one's like, ooh, what is it? It's it's chicken pot pie. And so he gets the pie, you know, the guard. He opens a, a slat in the door, slides the pie in, closes the slat, and then punches the code. The slat on the other side opens up, and that guy gets to enjoy the pie. He goes to the next guy, and um, when he does, there's a shadowy figure in the control room who slides a slider and then the the slider that he receives the food on opened up both sides and the second Mahler twin looks through and he's like oh I'm sorry Pete and he grabs him smashes his face up against the wall and then uses his um, uses his hand to release the security system and get out and he has a funny, funny interaction with the other twin because he goes to get him who is enjoying his chicken pot pie. Well, the, the, the one that escaped lamented the fact that his ended up on the floor. He's like, oh, man, it's chicken pot pie night. But he goes to get the other twin and he he's waving the guy's hand around like the key to his cell. And he goes, all right, tell me who's the who the real clone is. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. He says, we're both. And he says. You want out? I can't hear you. And he's all right. You're the real clone. So he lets him out and they escape. It's an awesome action set piece. They have awesome music playing. They fight with the security guard, smashing him in the face, getting rocket launchers. And again, up in the control room, some buttons are pressed and the security door closes on the guards and a ladder drops down from the ceiling and they go, oh, it appears we have a benefactor. And then once they escape to the surface, one twin, so they, there's this laser artillery gun that pops up out of the sand. They're in a desert somewhere. And one of the twins 
after his brother gets blasted. No, it's before his brother gets blasted. They're standing next to each other. And the one behind, he goes, oh, man. And the one in the front goes, what are, what are we going to do? And the one behind goes, oh, I, I'm surprised you didn't see it if you are the original. And he grabs him and runs him toward the laser using him as a human body shield and just disintegrates him. He's just blown blown to bits. He sacrifices. Uh, he says, surprised you didn't see it, brother. And then Cecil comes into that control room where the shadowy figure was manipulating the, the mechanisms in the prison. And it turns out it's Robot who was manipulating the prison. So what's going on here with Robot and the teen team? Why is he, is he recruiting villains? Is he, is he collecting these villains in order to better train his new guardians of the globe? And Cecil even asks him, he says, you know, what, how, how's the, how's the guardians of the globe? And he says, well, we've got work, we've got work to do. Uh, and then that's roll credits. And of course, just like every other episode, you know, it's not done after the credits, we cut to Debbie in her house, working on her computer in the kitchen and things get cold and dark. Well, they're dark already, but they get cold and she can see her breath. And then the ice on her screen starts to coalesce and she turns around and there's Damien Darkblood. He says, my apologies. And he says, she's like, what are you doing here? He says, I'm looking for clues, uh, insinuating, you know, that Omni-Man had something. She's like, what's what's your deal? He said, you know, escape hell, seek justice for others to save own, own soul. And then Omni-Man shows up, turns on the lights, and when he does, Damien's gone. So Omni-Man doesn't know he's there. Debbie doesn't tell Omni-Man either about Damien. She goes, you know, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. She goes to bed and she walks up the stairs. Omni-Man remains in the kitchen. And he looks to his side and he blows out his breath. And he can see that it's cold there. He knows Damien was there. And then cue the real, real credit. So that's the end of uh, episode number three. A big episode, you know, not a lot of action. Uh, I mean, I guess the, the Dr. Seismic fight was pretty, pretty dang cool. However, it did set up a lot of the character ideas and suspicions that were going to, to further develop in the other episodes. So what's the deal with the, the twins at this point, right? The, the clones, the blue boys, one of which is now dead. They continually talk about who is the clone and who is the real one. So we have to assume there is some kind of manufacturing process. There's some kind of way that they are creating more of themselves. And do they, they still have access to this technology or this power to be able to clone themselves? Obviously, it's not a power like duplicates where they can just automatically make a double of themselves. But are we going to see them back together as twins or is it just going to be the one now? Another question that I had while watching this episode, Damien Darkblood suspects Omni-Man. Cecil suspects him. And now maybe Debbie is not, maybe she doesn't suspect him, but maybe she thinks that there's more that he knows that he is not letting on to his wife. My question is, can Omni-Man kill Damien Darkblood in order to hide his secret? Like Damien Darkblood is a demon from hell. And though Omni-Man has said, I think he said at the, the funeral when he was eulogizing his friends, he said that he has fought ancient gods. 
And so does that mean that he can take him on? Or does Damien Darkblood maintain some kind of uh, incorporeal presence where, uh, <laughs> I screwed that up, incorporeal presence where he cannot be hurt or hit or, or killed? I mean, that's a fight. I, I don't know if I'd like to see it because Damien Darkblood doesn't seem like more of a fighter character. He seems like more of a intellectual character, a sleuth type character. And then, uh, of course, I think Debbie is starting to suspect, and I think we're going to see that come further into fruition. One thing that wasn't clear to me in this episode is Adam Eve said she couldn't be on the Guardians of the Globe team as long as Rex Splode was on the Guardians of the Globe team. So I'm not sure if she joined the Guardians or if she's like, okay, I'll be on the team, but robot, you got to, you know, you just got to figure this thing out. Maybe they don't go on missions together or, or the like. <laughs> that's it for, that's it for this episode of on today's episode, which was invincible episode three, who you call an ugly. What a weird way. What a weird way to end it. This is a, an amazing show. And if you have made it to episode three, we've only got five more episodes of the series. And I would encourage you to finish it because shit gets straight up Shakespearean down the line. When we get into episode seven and episode eight, it really starts hitting the fan and it really is impactful. Not to mention, this show is part of the zeitgeist right now. There are memes going around the internet as we speak that you will have no idea how to how to even enjoy them if you do not watch this series. So please continue watching this series. Please continue coming back to the Culture Jack podcast to be filled in on the series, on my ideas, make you think of your ideas, what you want to see out of season two and season three. You can get a hold of uh, the podcast at Facebook or Twitter at Culture Jack. You can send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Make sure to leave us a review. It's what Omni-Man would do. Leave us a review on your streaming platform of choice. Doesn't matter which one it is. Those five-star reviews help our podcast grow, get to more listeners, and we spend a lot of time every week to make sure we get into your ears. And so if you shared us with a friend, someone that you think would enjoy this particular brand of entertainment, media, recap, culture, technology, games, whatever. We'd love to get into their ears as well. But make sure you tune into our other shows. This isn't the only show that we have on the Culture Jack podcast. Tomorrow we've got the Weekend Wire with Anthony and then again with Anthony on Monday for Monday Madness. And then on Thursday we've got the Culture Jack News Desk, Friday the Friday Show, and then back here for more on today's episode. Well, and maybe on Wednesday as well, once Loki comes out, because they have moved Loki's uh, day of the week broadcast to Wednesday. So this is only going to keep us satiated up until Loki comes out. And then we'll have a, a, a Loki one on Wednesday or Thursday and an Invincible one on Saturday. Oh, that's going to be so good. I can't wait. That's all we have for the show. And we will see you on the next episode.